2: Content Warning for Trauma Surrounding Immigration as well as Child Abuse and Childhood Trauma. Someplace Underneath.
1: I took a dance class the other day, Natalie. What kind of dance? Yeah. It was on my little class thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for a dance class. I'm going to try something yes. new. And I, I'm so bad at dancing, but I went to like a daft punk show. And I kind of swayed around. I was like, oh, I like this. So I signed up for this class. And it's just me. I'm the only one that shows up. And it's just what? me and this woman. And I was like, oh, by the way, she's very nice. Very spiritual, like positive person. Okay. And she was like... I was. I said, "Oh, I'm so bad at dancing. I I don't know what I'm doing." And she's like, "It's not about the moves. It's about you and the music and the breath work. And that's all we're going to focus on." And then we had we danced around with a blindfold, so I wouldn't feel self conscious.
2: I almost cried. I almost cried because I released something from my body. And guess what? You did not, you know, get forty thousand dollars in college loans to do that, like I did.
1: (laughs) No, just uh, in a back alley with a lady. Yep. Were you actually in an alley? Yeah, it was like a weird, one of those, like, you know, those artsy places with like, it's cool. We're at Studio 102. You just got to come through the alley. That's my whole life. It's
2: been go my entire through
1: life. the dump truck and then kiss the man on the forehead. <laughs>
2: Code is 456. <laughs> um, what, I'm so curious. What kind of what, what was the dance class called? It was just like intro to dance. Oh, I love that. And then we
1: I literally just flailed around like a child and yeah, it didn't matter. Awesome. Yeah.
2: I'm proud of you, and that's amazing. Everybody should do that at least once. You know, I did it. And I felt like I took a spiritual shit. It was wonderful. Good. Yeah. That's dancing can do that. Welcome to some place the Amber Nelson. Um, yeah. I say that to people all the time when. We talk about dance, and I talk about my my ballet background, and a lot of times adults say, like, oh, I really wish that I would have done ballet growing up, or I wish I could do ballet. You can still do it. You can absolutely start ballet as an adult. There's actually a lot more offerings now, even, like, you can do, they do, like, I've seen a bunch of different places that do specifically adult beginner ballet, like, um, retreats and stuff like that. And, like, there's adults who are, my aunt actually started point at 70,
1: Okay. Yeah, which I thought was totally badass of her cat. Didn't the inventor of modern dance, though, you know, the dances where they have the long flowy skirts and they like wave their arms in the air. Wasn't she 40 when she invented that?
2: Well, <laughs> there's a there's a bunch of different people, but I think maybe you're referring to Martha Graham. That's it. Um she didn't start dancing until she was in her twenties, mm. but she really her career didn't really like she became very famous as a dancer in her late 30s, early forties, which is Fucking badass. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Graham's a big, important part of most dance. And this is now why we're turning this show into the dance podcast. The dance podcast. (laughs) Where you get to hear Hear our dance moves. Yes, hear us dancing. (laughs) It's ASMR. (laughs) (gasps) (gasps) But if you're feeling
1: pent up, and this time of the year it's like really chaotic for some reason, like some bullshit with the moon, I don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on. But just like go sign up for a class, a dance class, something physical
2: and... I felt immediately so much better. Always. Especially every, you know, I know a lot of people get SADS. Yeah. SADS disease. Um, And uh, at this time of year, it is, I think it is because we don't get enough sun. And um, it does make people feel a little crazy. I hate that we will not stay in Daylight Savings. Who among us, Needs it to be dark at four thirty p.m. I am no. continuing to this type this an obnoxious tirade that no one. I will not help change at all. You tell the sun fuck off. <laughs> it's not the sun's fault. I in the moon. It's a man. A man made this rule. Oh really? But it's it's dark though. Yeah, but the hour shift. You know, we do daylights, fall back, spring forward. Oh, that was for initially. That was for farming purposes, and, and because there was not a light source they had to shift things around for people mm-hmm. whatever i don't fucking understand the agricultural aspects. but nowadays we don't need that but we still do this thing every year so that at, and like if we didn't do daylight savings it would still get darker early but it'd be like 5:30 instead of
1: 4:30 my brain can't comprehend
2: just Sorry, trust Natalie. me just
1: sign the paper just sign
2: the paper just, just put a little initial <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah we're getting to that time of year it's almost the longest Longest night of the year. Oh, that's when the zombies come out. Is it? That's right. (laughs) Lock your doors, children. Uh, Technically, it's like right before Christmas. That's the longest night of the year. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's the 20, usually the 21st, I think. Huh. Yeah. Is that from like a pagan thing? Well, yeah. The reason Christmas is celebrated in December is even if you believe in Jesus, his birth would not have existed in December because of like the animals and stuff that are in the story. So that was actually just taken from other – one of my favorites is Dies Natalis Solus Invicti, which is something that is – uh, something Roman soldiers and other groups celebrated, which was it's called basically it means the Day of the Unconquered Sun, which means the longest night has happened and we've survived. And now the sun's going to come back and more crops are going to come back. So all of those sort of rituals around the solstice are, are what then became Christmas um, because they they just kind of took it. <laughs> I love this, Natalie. Thank you so much for the history lesson. I just thought, you know, Jesus Christ was Santa Claus.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's true. And he came and he comes down the chimney and i think between sometime between
2: 2 and 5 a.m. that's santa claus time. That is santa claus time and you he leaves his skin and you eat it. Yeah. And uh makes you immortal. And that's facts. And That's, that's Christmas. in the bible. Yep. Um, all right, let's get into this. All right. <laughs> uh, I wanted, you know, uh, we just did this big long m- missing immigration series which is could go on forever truly. It is so vast and so complicated and so sad. Um, But I didn't want to leave this before we talked a little bit about the whole, what's with these kids in these cages? Right. um, Which was something that we heard a lot during 2018, 2019, right before COVID and during COVID pretty much, um, which was this really horrific concept. And I wanted to understand how this could be possible if this was just media propaganda or if this was really happening and if so where are these kids Um, and it turns out it wasn't just propaganda it really happened um, in a way that feels almost unbelievable but um, before we got into that I wanted to just mention another political theatric thing that happened which is like more recent in time which is when I don't know if you remember when Ron DeSantis was participating in this this, uh, thea- this theatrical show, okay? No, it's not cool. Enough. It's not sexy enough to be in a coven. I mean, the Republican candidates, like
1: the the debates. To me, it looks like a coven. It's just the the lights and the it's just so
2: intense. I'm like, what kind of witchcraft is this? It looks a little bit like a um, like a uh, what's it called? Uh... seance? No, just trying to think of the other a word. Spell? Uh, like a like a um, oh my god. Is it like the Alex Jones thing? No, I was try- <laughs> trying to think of the word. And I I put it in Google wizard cult. <laughs> um, wizard cult. Warlock time? No. God damn it. Never mind. It's not important. Um... It's going to come to me while I'm talking. Don't okay, worry. We'll cut some of this out.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you, maybe, you probably have a little bit of it. <laughs> but yeah, in yeah. So Ron DeSantis was standing proud in his Italian
2: boots. He it was. <laughs> and what did he do? Um, what did this queen do? So if you recall earlier this year, he was doing this theatrical thing where he was taking um, migrants and putting them on buses and planes and shipping them to different parts of the country. Yeah. Um, it It is a truly vile theatrical thing to do. Um, and it. Like, just shows how little humanity is in that person because I, I guess he's not putting on a facade and probably pretending he cares, so, which is good, but Masons. Right. There we
1: go. Got it? <laughs> That's the word Freemasons. that makes you Freemasons. Think about it. Okay, okay. Yeah, it is like a little Freemason shendig. Yeah.
2: All right, I'm back. Um, All right, we're back. <laughs> so, this was this thing, you know, when we saw him shipping migrants to Martha's Vineyard. And Sacramento and all these different places. Oh,
1: right. And there was like this big funny thing of like, oh, now the liberals got to take them in. And they actually
2: did. And not only that, but it's that the, the, the theatrics of doing it, it was to send a message to two different groups. Advocates for humane asylum seeking policies and for people hoping to seek asylum through Florida. The act of putting scared and helpless migrants on buses and planes to send them to a northern state with no plan... Denied any of those people even the smallest crumb of dignity. Like, they are, they are objects to him. They, it's funny. It's funny these pe- these scared, like, helpless people are just being shipped to some other right. scary-ass place and by this guy. And you can use guy. it for votes. Just like, look right. what I
1: did. Isn't this funny? And yes. like Other maniacs. I don't want to call them maniacs, but uh. maybe.
2: But they'd be like, we like that. More votes for him. Yes. And that's what he did. Uh, it was like... An IRL troll using human bodies. Yeah. To see, like, look how funny this is, um, making no point, not helping anything. Um, so I'm bringing that up because this is something that happened just very recently, which is kind of along the same lines as what we are going to learn about uh, the zero tolerance policy that happened in 2019. So this kind of action doing what he did and what happened during the, the Trump admin it was it's like a visual expression of pure apathy and fear with some racism mixed in for good measure and it serves as a model for how the he gets guys like him get votes from the people who uh you know Uh, how they view complex and pressing world issues, which is like an irritation, right? Like migrants coming in is just like, ugh, get them out of here. I hate them. Yuck. And it's instead of ignoring like the rising discord in authoritarian countries mixed with climate change and inhabitable areas, which in turn is why we're seeing this influx of the most vulnerable among us. Instead, they just want... DeSantis, the kind of people who would vote for Desantis just wanted to go go away. I don't link it, right? Well, they don't believe in climate change. Well, they think it's yeah. all like a liberal hoax, and I also think it's it's intentional denial. Like it's right. a lot easier to think that that's not happening. I was speaking to somebody from the South. I don't want to say who, but they're like, "It's so much hotter
1: down here than it's ever been. I don't know why. It ain't climate change, though." <laughs> You're, <laughs> You're like, like, "I didn't, ma'am. I didn't say anything. I not say anything."
2: So, yeah, it, it's a very – it's almost like a cruel child's version of this issue. We're just going like, we're going to make a big wall. You know, the wall is going to be on the other – people will be over there and then we won't even have to worry anymore. It's sort of like the mentality there. And, you know, those people can have that idea and then they just get to go back to being angry at Starbucks employees instead, you know. But – no matter how much foot stomping and cruelty we display as a country, those issues are not going to disappear, even if you are trying to make some stupid point or you're making these like grand gestures about like, we're going to build a wall, we're going to ship yeah. them off. It doesn't make this issue go away. That's just
1: putting like, I don't want to call immigrants a problem, but like. The reason why they're coming here is a problem, and it's yeah. just pushing
2: it away, pushing yes. it somewhere else. Let them take care of it, and being angry at those people who are coming because they have nowhere else to go, right? And being like, "How fucking dare you?" It's not it's fixing like, anything, no, and it's just getting more votes. It, yes, a hundred percent. And what are those people supposed to do? <laughs> like, the anger towards them is just so frustrating to me. They, they are the the least among us, and I I don't mean like as human beings they count less. I mean like they have. What we could have, any of us could have at any time, which is almost nothing, to be in a vulnerable state, to not have a, a, a net to fall back onto. It could be any one of us. It really could. And right now we're displaying that sort of mentality in these kind of acts. Um, we're displaying cowardice and, and fear and just like, I don't know, treating these people like, like they're insects or something. It's gross. So even if those issues won't disappear sometimes if you are in that position of being vulnerable you might go missing that this puts people in such a chaotic state so the people that they're angry at who are they're already toying with and shipping around the country and stuff not not just because of going on Labistia and going through the darien gap and all of these really dangerous places yeah you might go missing there but we're also actually kind of doing it in the government and to children. Oh, yeah. We're trafficking people. When you
1: send them to Martha's Vineyard, you're trafficking that people. That
2: is. that is. You're Yes. That is what you're doing, for sure. Because you're also lying to those people along the way. This is what we see over and over again in these interviews. And especially when we're talking about the separation stuff, the number of people who individually said, I was told, like, oh, your kid is going to go get... F- food over here on this bus, but you can't fit, so we're just gonna get you on the next bus. Meanwhile, they're taking their children to another state and not even telling them. And, and and like that is that's kidnapping. And what's
1: gonna happen to those kids? Do you think some nice person, some nice mom's gonna come by and be like, oh let me find your
2: mom. Yeah. Or no. you, or what um, what? It turns out that some of them are still in the system and they can't find their families uh still from this time period. So No, you know, our government can't be doing that, right? That's crazy to kids. No, there must be something I'm not seeing. So I think most of us saw from that time period, um, I don't know if you remember this. There was this very um, iconic picture of this little toddler girl crying while her mom was getting searched against a, a cop car. It's a really disturbing photo. And. I, I didn't really know what was going on there. There was a lot happening at the time, and I didn't understand what was happening. It's a loaded question. I couldn't fully grasp it. And as we've said in the series, separating children from their families at the border isn't new to Trump. There was a number of bodies, you know, different um, organizations, people within politics raising concerns even during the Obama era for unnecessary child separations from their parents, during Obama's presidency, and really the ones before as well, we didn't have the same kind of focus on the border, so it wasn't noted as it, as it is now. Because, as mentioned before, the tone changed drastically after 9-11 at the border. During the Obama administration, essentially there would be cause to remove the child from their guardian if there was what they perceived as a criminal issue with the parent. So if— They are coming up to the border, either getting caught at the border or seeking asylum at the border. If the parent has a known criminal charge, they would say, that's why we're going to separate this kid from their parent, because the kid is in danger, which sounds fair in theory, but there was a lot of pushback even against that, because what was deemed criminal in some circumstances would be minor things like having weed or something. So... It was already child and parent separation was already happening in past administrations, basically is the point. But in theory, these separations would be to benefit the child. So when in the past, when we would have these situations at the border, the idea was that the child's not safe. We need to put them in a safer situation, even if you could debate whether or not they really were in a safe situation. Right. Not ship them halfway across the country. Right. Not only that, with the Trump administration, the rules changed and it became to hurt children. The cruelty became the point. And they didn't even try to hide that. So as much as I dislike Trump as much as the next guy, I want to try to understand how we ended up in this horrific situation. Because a lot of the stuff that Trump did that was bad was sort of passive because – he doesn't make plans most of the time. He's a very just spewing things off the top of his chest kind of guy. And this was very much a calculated choice to make, and, again, not what I call a calculating guy. Um When I say this is a horrific thing that happened during his administration, I don't just mean the actual process of removing children from their parents. It's that there is really, really solid documentation of this nightmare. Um Frontline on PBS has done hours of documentaries on the subject. The SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, has a comprehensive timeline of child separations before and after the Trump admin and the Atlantic. Also, if you ever want to look any of these things up, have compiled all the documents from the de- zero tolerance policy era, which, by the way, I'm going to talk about what that means because I wouldn't have actually understood that. Zero either. tolerance policy. Yeah, yeah, that sounds very intense, but it could go either way. Well, yeah. It's good so- or bad intense. Yeah, it, right. Like zero <laughs> tolerance of, of, of bad being, people? you know, groped. Right. That would be good. I feel like I'm um,
1: really taking this in, Natalie. <laughs> There's a lot of information here. I'm sorry, yeah. like it's sort of so. There's been a lot of documentation done of people coming to the border and, and being, the child separation and happening. the child being separated. Yes, and sometimes people cruelty is the point to separate the kid. Now, is it sort of like we're letting you guys know not to come because if you
2: do, your child will be separated, like a punishment thing. That is along the lines of what happened during the Trump admin. So. Again, before the Trump admin, even if you could argue with the child separation policies that were in place, not everybody was not even close to everybody was separated from the children. It was if it was deemed dangerous for the kid. Right. They would separate them.
1: But then who deems what's dangerous? Right.
2: So there's already things you could push back on for that. Right. That was pre-Trump. And you could say, well, they were trying to help. They were even if it was ill. If they, they were wrong, they were trying to do a positive thing for the kid. Right. Because in their point of view, like, what if a cartel
1: member picked up a lone child wandering in the jungle and was like, this is my child. Get me in.
2: Right. And so and also we'll talk about um unaccompanied minors. That's also another big problem that has happened over the last decade and a half.
3: For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender.
4: Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waverhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess
2: There's there so many compilations of the different forms of child separation at the border, and yet nothing I've combed through, none of these journalistic deep dives have been able to give a concrete number of how many kids are still not reunited from with their families from the zero-tolerance policy era, or even where they are. The closest we can come to is that there's still allegedly somewhere between 500 and 600 kids whose families cannot be located Or alternately, parents who cannot find their children from this policy. This has largely been determined to be because the administration did not care and they did not make a plan. In fact, some of the players seem to revel in in the fact that they didn't have a plan, that they thought it was funny. I mean, have you been to the post
1: office even? Like, there's just like, where? What? What bin is this?
2: Yeah. Huh? And, And normally, if it comes to handling children... It's at least a little bit more organized. You, in no part in like the you know in the last couple administrations, at the very least, with this kind of situation, was it so flippantly um, made clear that they had absolutely no regard for these children's lives? So, kids and let me just go back a little bit here. Kids and un- unaccompanied minors coming in began. To the border that is trying to get into the southern border began to rise dramatically during the Obama administration. This was something the U.S. was not prepared for. The cruel irony is that while anti-immigrationists point to the dangers of gangs and drug smugglers at the border, which is why they don't want to do immigration. Right. The vast overwhelming majority of people and children who began to try to make it through the U.S. border were people fleeing gang violence. It's not the gang members who were trying to get through at the border or asking for asylum. It was people trying to not be murdered. Right.
1: And you could be like, Well just stick
2: around and stand up for your country. But like there's
1: gangs in LA. Like, am I gonna go stand in the middle of the street and be like, Stop it?
2: Yeah. I mean stop doing this. <laughs> and not only that, like in the past, which which we'll talk about, during the Obama administration, what started to happen were unaccompanied minors and young families. So are unaccompanied minors and young families supposed to stop gang warfare? No. No. And didn't Obama have like one of the biggest drone warfares? I mean, yeah, that's an entirely other different situation. Right? So like this I, is not this is not a praise Obama situation at all. I'm
1: trying to think of like, oh, why was it so rising during the Obama era? Mm. And I'm like thinking of all these oh right, we would read drone strike this country, we fucked them up. Like well, they gotta go. The people we struck
2: were farther away. Right. So not our fault. Um, sorry, that's not. That's very not funny. Further uh, away, but, so it's
1: it's harder for them to come get here. Yes. Yeah, so, so mostly, we th- were talking about people from South America coming here. Yes.
2: So during that time period, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala were really heavily rife with political unrest, and there was essentially a ground war between the government and gangs like MS-13. So that little buzzword you hear over and over again—that's not like it's not real. It's not like there isn't danger involved. But what it, it is not really truthful is that that is happening in places like that and the people who are trying to get away from it are the ones coming and being like, please help us. So those and those in that time period and still now, but in El Salvador, Honduras and those areas, there was not really a ton of good guys. It was like chaos. The government wasn't great. MS-13 is a gang. It's not it's not great. And there was violence everywhere. So parents began to send their kids north or children would have no parents anymore and they would flee begging for respite. So this is all around like the 2014 period of time. Before this time, the large majority of people at the border were adult men, Um, not because they were violent criminals just dying to get at our women, but because it is an incredibly dangerous act to try to cross the border. And men would generally just take that burden on in the hopes they could better themselves or if they had families, wouldn't make the whole family do it. Because of the... Danger that was occurring in, in some of these countries, that's when they got to the desperation point. And so the kids and the young families and stuff would start making that trek and begging for help. And it was this huge influx at the same time. And during Obama's admin around 2014, with this unprecedented influx of unaccompanied minors and young families and mothers. They struggled with how to handle it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see how you can, like, look at a family, like a mom and kids and be like, no. For sure. No, you can't. Because especially with, like, the the safety of women around the world, being an American, I do. We have our problems. Mm-hmm. But I've, I'm pretty blessed to be here. Right. Considering, like, how bad it can be. Totally. I almost feel bad that the men came and, like, the women
2: were left. Yeah. Like, what did you do? How'd you survive there? I mean, in some instances, it before like when it's when it's not war torn, sometimes they can just make more money if they can try to like build a life for themselves or a business in, in America. Like I'm not gonna try to like sit here and be like, listen, let me tell you about how it is for immigrants. Okay. Right. Um I'm only going off of their own stories and in like the journalistic coverage and all that. But uh essentially everything that I have been able to uh find and go through and again I really highly recommend going through some of the documentaries Frontline has done. They're really non-political. They talk to literally everybody, um, but really informative. There in 2014, they just did not know what to do because there is this another weird thing about being a human. There is a known trend of when people come in through the border during different seasons. And so people uh, at the southern border, the U.S. people uh, anticipate a Bunch of people coming to seek asylum. When this started happening in 2014, it was not on the chart. So it was this huge influx, and there was no space for anybody. So tens of thousands of children were arriving at the border, and it was being called a crisis at the border. Depending on what news you were watching, the crisis were, were these evil children here to take your jobs. The actual crisis was a humanitarian one. I put a little screen grab in here in our in our script. I see Amber. they blurred out their faces. It looks like they're waving, or are they doing a fist. No. So if you read underneath it, it's a it's a border official asking which minors are coming in without parents. Raise your hands. And it's a picture of a bunch of little kids. They're little sitting in the grass, and about half of them have their hands raised because they are not with any adults. They're, they don't they don't have parents with them. So this is what started happening in 2014. Oh, my God, they got to be so scared. Like, this is scary for adults to go through this journey. Imagine what, like, how bad it was that they did it, you know? So this is a group of kids also uh, saying that they couldn't go to school anymore because of the violence in their country. So while I think it's perfectly acceptable to criticize the way Obama's admin handled the situation, there were efforts made to try to help children, however flawed. You can see too, there's another picture of this time period where they were taking in all of these children and they didn't have facilities for it. so this picture looks like a lot of people crammed in a room, a lot of women it's a it's a lot of women and children so and every place that there were facilities for for people at that time were beyond capacity, and they were trying to figure out how to make this work and it was a flawed effort. But I do think that there were a lot of people trying to help and and wanting to make it better for people. This is another time period whenever you might have this is towards the beginning of Obama, but have you heard of DACA? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I might
1: have. I feel like it's one of those words
2: in like the root of my brain that's just been kind of thrown around. So this is something that was enacted during the Obama era. It was called DACA or consideration of deferred action for childhood arrivals. What that means is that – so Obama put this in place because it basically said if you were an undocumented child who was brought over to the states very young and have grown up as an American citizen for all intents and purposes – you would be considered for citizenship and not immediately deported to a country you didn't know. So right. there are many undocumented children who come in not knowing any other country. They grew up in the United States.
1: Right. What if you came here like your mom had you as like a baby and you don't even remember? And they're like, so you're from El Salvador. Time to go back. And
2: you're like 30. and You're like, excuse me? Yeah, it would be like I think we used this example last time. But Amber, you were, grew up in Saudi Arabia till you, till you were eight. What? Yeah, if you. Suddenly we're like, you have to go back. That's where you're born. <laughs> go back. Goodbye. Bye. And you're like, I here. don't know anybody. Like, what do you want me to do? Um, but that's trying to prevent that from happening to kids who've grown up. They're also called dreamers. God, don't send me back to Saudi Arabia, please. Yeah. Well, um, you never know what's going to happen. Well. Um, so because this was enacted, this thing that is just a humane Like I wouldn't even call it like this kind thing. It's just being a decent human being like we shouldn't have these kids be taken back to a foreign country that is their quote unquote home country that they don't even know. This is a policy that kids can can stay and, you know, finish school and like do all these things here. And um, certain news outlets incorrectly blamed this program as the reason children were fleeing violence in their countries and coming to the southern border, or I guess conflated the two things. So, so what did they say? What was their thought behind it? Oh, well, since Obama made it easy for these children to try to gain citizenship, now they're all just fleeing. They're coming. They're running into the border. They were fine in their home countries. They're coming because they're like, please, we want to be American so badly. Oh, because it's easier now. Right. This is very silly. Um. But it doesn't look like it's easier. It looks like there's a bunch of people thrown in a room. Yeah, no, it's not an easy thing. It's stupid to even suggest that the two are related. And for a certain sect of people, I think there is a certain gleefulness in the punishment of these kids. It seems to come from the disrupting maybe of the facade, like very much. I don't know. I don't It just continually makes me think like oh, I was just saying with DeSantis that there's this 1950s idea of what. You know, oh, it was everything was just so nice before. No. And you see these children coming in and suffering and some a certain sect of people are, are angry about it. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see this. Why are they coming here? It must be because they're coming because of DACA. You know, uh, the
1: 1950s stuff we look at, by the way, that's
2: all propaganda. Oh, yeah. The Norman
1: Rockwell. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's made up. You talk to anybody who lived in that time period. No,
2: it was not a Norman Rockwell painting. Yeah. It was very turbulent. And that, but that is that sort of MAGA idea is like, we need to go, we need to make it nice again. And they just, you're not, this is. You're just thinking like a child. Is not, that's not that's real. This is See, I go to Disneyland when I really want to do escapism. I go because, you know, it's fun and it, it's like a fake. I know. I know that stuff's so bad. I know that there's unfair shit happening. But I go for like six hours and I go, wee! wee. And then I leave. And then the problems are real. And I can't just go like, I don't like it. Right. Let's it's, just get
1: on a Ferris wheel. I think it's people like the people I met that hate this the most. Really, up. they have a a not good life themselves they're very angry yeah there's some bad things to happen to them even through no fault of their own sure and this is escapism like you said Of if we could only get those immigrants out yeah then I will get a raise at my job exactly sorry you're not going to get a raise at your job because your employer is a little greedy yeah because of laws that are protecting billions. you should join a union you yeah. should form a union and like fight for a raise with the people that are coming in
2: yeah and and I should also say, conversely, it's also not as simple as just like let everybody in and every, that'll be we don't need any. We don't need any system in place. Just right. Let Co- people. It's not. And very. I also want to say very few activists are suggesting this. That's not what people want.
1: Right. Because what if some of the baddies are coming in? If they're fleeing, I don't want the baddies coming, but I want the people coming in that are fleeing. It's
2: also just about humanity. And so it's treating people with dignity and respect and in understanding that they need help and giving them proper venues in a way that could be completely done. And it's just not right. Um, So when Trump began his presidential campaign, he was running on a conservative platform, but it was sort of directionless with it. So he was kind of doing well, but he, he liked, he talked a lot. He was very blustery and he did his like shtick Right. There is no, like a tagline. Yeah. He didn't have the wall line. He Mm -hmm. didn't have it. Um, That's where Scooby-Doo haunted house goons Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller come in. These two people basically embody the sound (laughs) more than anybody in human history. Um, God, they have such a control thing over everybody.
1: And I, I don't know. It's always the people that look like they don't have control over their own life. And I know physiognomy is kind of like um, oh, I'm stepping on like
2: alt right territory. Yeah, that's, ra- that's like racist. Sometimes it's yeah. real. Like if you're sweaty all the time, like come <laughs> I on, would li- I would liken it more to like somebody's eye, like the look in their eyes. Yes, the look in the eyes. Do you have life behind them? Yeah, because I think there's things you can. It's all we call it human instinct too. But there's things you can gauge when somebody's near you. We're like, oh no no no, something's wrong. Something's, something's wrong. Uh uh-uh. um, And though that's. I mean, if you come near either Steve Bannon or Stephen Miller, I assume that's just immediately just like like the aura changes when they walk in. Yeah. Um, And so there were a number of goblins around Trump at this time. But people like Steve Bannon saw Trump as a way for him to be able to watch the world burn because he just that's kind of what Steve Bannon likes. He wants to sow chaos and discord.
1: Oh, it's called accelerationism. You want it to fall. Yeah, because we, quote unquote, the alt-right, will come in and rebuild a structure. Right. And it they won't were, be
2: democracy, I tell you that. No, no, no. And they, he even really hated the, um, you know, the mainstream Republicans. Like that yeah. was too, he was trying to tear that to the ground. And he saw Trump and he was like, that idiot will do. Yeah. Um, and so he basically joined forces with Stephen Miller, who, Stephen Miller, I frankly just think he enjoys human suffering, Um, I don't know that he has ambitions beyond that. He is such a ghoul. Is this the
1: vampire-looking guy? Like, yeah, not the
2: sexy vampire. No, like, no, like the what a vampire would prop, like the Nosferatu, <laughs> the yes. Nosferatu vampire. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, who, and again, I, don't want to do the physiognomy thing, but I mean, the, a little like, pale. Again, go back to the eyes. His eyes are the deadest fucking eyes you will ever see. It's like looking at a corpse. It is so <laughs> scary. And mind you, when he started working with Trump, he was in his twenties. 20s. He's 20s? a young man. Yeah. Oh, my um, God, I can go ice skating on his forehead. Metal. Yeah, no, he's he is a scary man because of how little he I, I think his only joy comes from hurting people. I, I really I don't know what else to say. That is me going off of vibes. I obviously don't know the man. He's a scary, dark person. Um. So Bannon and and Stephen Miller, they kind of both had these political ambitions, which was mostly just like. Destroy, destroy, destroy. and uh, But I think with Stephen Miller, he specifically likes the punishment of the poor. I think that he enjoys it personally. Um, so the PBS, actually, if you really want to watch a good breakdown of that uh, dynamic, the frontline documentary called Zero Tolerance does a really easy to digest breakdown of that relationship. But in essence, they saw an opening of the fear of immigrants as a way to give Trump an angle. So, namely, older, terrified, angry white people would start to get more angry if they got to hear about why the immigrants are messing everything up. Soon in his campaign tour speeches, we heard about building the wall, about sending, oh, they're not sending their best, they're sending their rapists. We're going to make a big, beautiful wall. Mm -hmm. And there's no wall. I mean, there already was kind of a wall. There already was. It's it's nonsense. It's fucking nonsense.
1: And honestly, if you built a big wall, my conspiracy brain might be like, oh, that's to keep Americans
2: in. Specifically women seeking abortions. Also, it is a child's, again, idea of how do you protect things just put a big wall up. But what, what could go wrong? You know, just put a wall there. Yeah. It's very very traditional. It's like Great Wall of China like a thousand years ago. Yeah, a thousand years ago maybe that worked, but there's like airplanes and boats and all kinds of technology. Yeah. It just it's not that's just a wall, man. Well, it's like a symbol, I think. It is a symbol. It's as well. a symbol for sure. I think you're you're right for that. And then essentially there was this this outlet for people to say that, like you just said, that's why you're dissatisfied with your life. That's why you don't have any money. The, we need the wall. Soon people who had never even come close to the border on vacation were chanting, build the wall, shoot the immigrants. Right. This is entirely crafted by Bannon and his his company. So, I know people in some very poor states who say, you know, we need to build the wall.
1: These immigrants coming in and that's why it's so bad. I'm like, you don't you've never seen an immigrant. They're not coming here. Right. I've been around this town. They're not here. Your town has potholes and like barely
2: roads because there's so much corruption in your own government. Right. The politicians are literally stealing money from you.
1: Yes. It's like, like, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Exactly. Look over here. Look over here. The immigrants
2: are coming. Yes. Like, maybe take this up with your local politicians. Absolutely. So this is something that Bannon c- knew was something that he could get to an angle and use sort of Trump like a little puppet. And Trump was like, they love it when I say it and they clap and they clap at me and it's fun. Yeah. Um, so he loved it. Um, and it's not to say that he didn't want to hurt. He doesn't like immigrants either. He's very he said very racist things his whole life. He did uh, that big paper, uh, the big uh, article in about the um, Central Park Five, like all that stuff. Right. He's always been kind of this way. But he's way. I think he's way more concerned with just like people liking him and like people wanting him to, like calling him a king. So Bannon just sort of like made that energy sort of focused. And after his election, it worked, by the way. (laughs) After his election, to be honest, if he would have enacted none of the stuff and just told his base that the walls went up and all the crime was way down – I think a large percentage of them would have just accepted that and been like, wow, you did it. Good job. But that's not what his henchmen wanted. They wanted to make a statement to these invading monsters, quote unquote, where before Obama's separation policy was flawed. In early 2017, the first rumblings of insanity were happening from inside the Oval Office. Proposals were being thrown out about separating children from their parents no matter what. The message they wanted to send was, if you come to try to seek asylum here, we will kidnap your children. That's not hyperbole. They didn't use the word kidnap, but that was what was being proposed. Certainly, that's just fear mongering from the media, right? Unfortunately, it's not. Um, By November of that year, 2017, it had become clear that they had quietly already begun to roll this process out. In El Paso, Texas, they were calling this deranged experiment a pilot program. However, it wasn't until April 2018 that Attorney General Little Tiny Baby Jeff Sessions (laughs) announced announced that they were implementing a zero-tolerance policy regarding the southern border. I can see Jeff Sessions, like, kicking his feet, being like, I'm Jeff Sessions. Yeah. I'm Jeff Sessions. (laughs) You listen to me. You You respect me. me. Come on, Jeff Sessions. Come on.
1: Oh, I wear a thimble as a top hat. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, that's cute. <laughs> um, doesn't Steve Bannon? Oh, by the way, isn't he like heavily influenced with the media and like owns papers and he, like is involved in the media?
2: Well, he uh, well he. I don't know what he actually owns. I know that he does have a lot of control over certain media aspects, and he's a filmmaker and all this stuff. Yeah. Um What I think the scariest part about Steve Bannon is is that he. He has his war room, and he has he talks, but he's not he's not a big bombastic guy, and so all of his most sinister stuff is very quietly spoken. Very
1: quiet, because I, I watched a little, and it was a little off topic, but a documentary about um, filmmaking, and apparently one of his favorite movies was like an early on sort of propaganda film where they showed a bunch of hot dogs shooting down a, a, a like a, a what do you call it a. a a factory line, and then people being very crowded in a space. Hmm. So it made it seem like, like human beings were factory meat. If you put those two images together, like two separate images of yeah. a hot dog going down down a conveyor belt, like right. a bunch of them, and people like really crowded in a you know in a shopping center. Yeah, separately they mean something else, but together it means like Gives oh you then an, I- your an mind idea mind goes, and that was something. one of his favorite. It's like how to make a propaganda one-on-one film. Cool.
2: I didn't know that. And I don't know what that yeah, I mean that's that would be an interesting thing to discuss, um, if you want to talk about film, but not as a plan <laughs> for your life. Um that's scary. Let me see what this let me see one second. Yeah, look it up.
1: Oh, Adam Curtis. So Adam Curtis is a documentarian. I think he's from the UK, but he does sort of these documentary stuff? Yeah, on um he does these documentaries on propaganda films and on journalism. Got it. And he mentioned one of Steve Bannon's favorite, like propaganda pieces. Cool. So look up Adam Curtis. He's really good. Look at Odearism. That's a good way of how, sort of the mainstream media, right now makes you think. Um, oh dear like there's no yeah it, there's no way of um, and it's done on purpose like there's no way of action right. to solve to help right. you're left to feel like oh dear right. um, and that's so you can just hang on and keep watching more
2: and they get more views totally fears. and we talk about that a lot on Spun actually um, I, I hate that form of media. yeah it's called oh dearism alright well let's keep interesting going. I will check that out So little baby Jeff Sessions, he is he comes out in April twenty eighteen, and he announces they have enacted a zero tolerance policy at the southern border. While he didn't use the exact words, what he meant was that if you show up with your children, doesn't matter if it's a mother with her child alone, doesn't matter if it's a baby who's being nursed, the children will be taken from you. And often the parent is immediately deported. Not only that, but from the many testimonies since then, the parents were directly lied to to get the parent away from the child, like I had just mentioned earlier, saying, oh, you'll be on the next bus. Let them go ahead. You'll meet them. Oh, God. Do you think they just need more workers for the future? No, I think this was literally to torture. I do think this is all that they because they had absolutely no follow through plan. None, which is one of the big dangers and why they're missing children. So they basically said... You go you'll you'll just they're going to go right ahead of you. In reality, their babies are being shipped somewhere else to an entire sometimes miles and miles away. And the parents sometimes weren't informed for weeks where their children were and sometimes months. And some still do not know to this day where their children are. Like the government stole them. Someone posited that the last time this sort of process occurred was when America was being founded and we stole indigenous children from their families. I want to be clear. That this policy included anyone who came to the border, even those who had come with the right to come seek asylum. They took their children also. As in the people who throw themselves at the mercy of the country's courts, not just people sneaking over the border. While this pilot program started in 2017 and it was cruel and not helpful, when little Jeff got on his step stool and gave his little book report about how he would have zero tolerance in 2018, it was written in stone no exceptions. Your kids are ours now. And we won't be truthful about it. We won't tell you where they are. Oh, and by the way, we also have no facilities set up that can capacitate this. Absolutely no end game or plan for what to do after we take your children. My what I call that is kidnapping. That's kidnapping. I mean plain and simple. So this is from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Undocumented
1: asylum seekers were imprisoned and any accompanying children under the age of 18 were handed over to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, which shipped them from miles away from their parents and scattered them among the 100 Office of Refugee Resettlements, ORR, shelters and other care arrangements across the country. Hundreds of these children, including
2: infants and toddlers, were under the age of five. What? I cannot stress this enough. They took babies out of mothers' arms. I guess when you were saying this,
1: like I didn't quite get it. Well, yeah, because it sounds so incendiary, like, it's so wait, like isn't that this. bad? Yeah, and they're no, not ripping toddlers from the nipple, but they fucking they work. did.
2: And sometimes when you hear these headlines, it is exaggeration about certain things, certain topics. This is one of the worst things I've ever read. Like I still can't really wrap my mind around this happening in our country. They don't give the families even an option of, well, if you all turn around right now and leave, we won't take your kids. They just take them. I mean, this was in 2018. So after this announcement, there was, of course, an uproar from human rights activists and media were trying to get info about what was happening to these children. But unsurprisingly, it was extremely difficult to get any glimpse of how these kids were being handled. Before you think anything else, this was not as a safety measure to the children. There was nothing being done for the benefit of these deeply traumatized children. And this is in June of 2018. For the first time, DHS publicly acknowledges that it separated
1: nearly 2,000 children from their parents or legal guardians between April 19th and May 31st. The government's protocol for reunifying families has yet to be made clear. 2,000 kids? Yeah, so... This has got to be, like, for a factory
2: work. This has got to be for, like... I don't even... I, this is fucking crazy. This is a village. It's not even... It's not like... An, it, it, one way is better than the other, but it wasn't even for child labor. Like, I don't know how to say that in, like, a more kind way, but it was it's just just cool. to show cruelty. And they there was no regard for what would happen and to we them.
1: don't know where they are like we so just-
2: when this happened it was because of the advisors around trump and the people that he had around him they let this go on we now know that the reason that there was no protocols because they made no plan whatsoever what they were going to do with these kids so this that was in june this is also in june of 2018 Journalists and human rights
1: advocates tour an old warehouse in McAllen,
2: Texas, where hundreds of
1: children are being kept in a series of cages made of metal fencing. Metal in Texas? Anyways. Mm -hmm. The Associated Press reports that overhead lighting stays on around the clock. Children are sleeping under quote, large foil sheets, end quote. Other children are forced to change the diapers of toddlers and that children have no books or toys. One toddler is seen crying uncontrollably and pounding her fists on a mat, quote. If a parent left a child in a cage with no supervision with other five-year-olds, they'd be held accountable, end quote, says Michelle Brande, director of migrant
2: rights at the Women's Refugee Commission. What the fuck? So this was... Not just this one place, there was a, a, a number of uh, places these kids were being held that were, once people were able to get in, were just like horrified beyond words what, what was happening. This is tremendous PTSD. Oh, just yeah. From this. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about that too like how many advocates and, and mental health professionals and people in this field talk about how even if they weren't assaulted or something or taken during this time, the, the the trauma from this will probably affect them for the rest of their lives.
1: And you wouldn't treat a prisoner like this. But then this is like a what do you say a private
2: thing so they can get away with it. It's it, no, it was our government um, like maybe what you're talking about is like some of the the migrants who've come through get put into private prisons like basically the government pays private prisons to hold them. Right. I, I think that probably the some of that exists as, as well with this. But the no lights on that is torture. The no turning lights off. Yeah, that is torture. There's literally it, I think it's it's like war. it's a war torture. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: called the White Room. Yeah. And I, there's some places where it's been done, but you're you're just constant light and you go crazy. I think it's been outlawed
2: and we still well, do it to kids. Did it to babies. Um, so after this has all been enacted, this is from April until June, just in that time period the, the numbers for how many children it is such a nauseating vertigo inducing chaos because even now there are officially separated. There, the, the number of kids that got taken are somewhere between 2000 and 5000 in those few weeks. And it is so chaotic that there's never there's been a couple places we'll talk about where they have decided this is the number, but it's always different. And. I don't think I need to explain how fucked up that is. That's each one child. It's each a number, and they don't even really know.
1: If a person, a family did that, an American family, they would be thrown in jail. But our government's doing it, and who's going to throw the government in jail? I don't know. I guess we have to. I'm tired, but... (sighs) I'm tired. (laughs) This is, I mean, it's always like... I'm I'm coming at this as like a person listening to it. And I've always heard this on the news. But I guess yeah. my brain never really allowed it to really, really resonate and really think about it. Um, well, and it being laid out like this, it's very hurtful. Yeah. It's very it's, painful. It's really. It's, I'm embarrassed. It's
2: really one of the worst things that we've covered on this, this show, um, which is saying a lot. Um, it's such a heinous act, actually, that Trump goes against the wishes of his senior advisor against Stephen Miller and his boy Steve Bannon and reverses the zero tolerance policy June 20th, 2018. When he does it, he cites Ivanka and Melania as the reasons he had a change of heart, which very sweet, except that it was actually kind of a dog whistle for people to blame them and not him because he can't take accountability for anything. Right. So he's like saying, "Well, they they talked to me and they said it's not a good to do." And Bannon's is pissed. Bannon's mad because this is like their this is like the happiest they could imagine having all these children suffering. They're bread and butter, but the damage was already done. So detangling what had already been done was not a simple reverse, of course, because these children had been scattered across 100 shelters, many of their families deported to remote areas of South America, and there was no plan in place. There was no proper documentation of these children. Despite our federal courts giving Trump's admin a deadline of a few weeks to reunite these families, when the deadline hit at the end of July, almost 1,000 families were still reported to have no idea of their children's whereabouts. This is also not where they stopped pulling apart families, by the way. They reverted to the idea of the pre like the Obama era where they're like we're we're only going to separate necessarily but they made it even more insane like their their qualifications for necessary removal was again just still to hurt people like it wasn't helping kids they were doing it in a way that was just so fucking cruel Um, the stories from families even after he halted zero tolerance are almost impossible to consider. Um, This is from uh, October 2018. Amnesty International publishes this. Amnesty International publishes a report that cites U.S.
1: Customs and Border Patrol data indicating that 6,022, quote, family units had been separated between April 9th, 2018 and August 15th, 2018, a much greater number than previously stated. Quote, right now, hundreds of children are languishing in tent cities on the border, end quote, says Margaret Huang, executive director of Amnesty International USA. Even more children are locked behind bars in family detention centers. This is nothing short of unconscionable.
2: So this this is really the reason that we're seeing this. And it's it is fair to say the Trump admin made something that was already a problem infinitely worse because this is done in gleeful torture it's cut and dry they're doing this to hurt people and in january of uh 2019 the department of health and human services inspector general finds that thousands more children than previously known may have been separated from their parents the spLC gives us the most haunting report i can think of i'm just real
1: quick like do you think these kids are going to come out of this and be like upstanding citizens i wouldn't No, you're making it so much worse for the next generation. Oh, yeah. Don't you want to make it better? Don't you want to plant the seeds for like a beautiful grandchildren?
2: No, not these. They don't. Not these people like Steve Bannon certainly doesn't.
1: All right. So the SLPC, SPLC, the number of children separated is unknown because the lack of a formal tracking system coordinated among the
2: agencies involved. That is our country's government. They had no tracking system set up. They just took these kids. And they didn't have record of, of them.
1: Like, I guess we put him on a Greyhound and dropped him off in Nashville or, <sighs>
2: wait, Ohio. I don't know. I, I. This makes me so upset, man. I, I, I don't know what's—that was one of the worst things I've ever heard, but this is also pretty fucking bad. In February of 2019, the New York Times puts out an article that begins like this. The federal government received more than 4,500 complaints in four years about the
1: sexual abuse of immigrant children who were being held at government-funded detention centers, including an increase in complaints while the Trump administration's policy of separating migrant families at the border was in place, the Justice Department revealed this week. I mean, yet these
2: kids are being used. Yeah, and uh, I mean, abandoned and and, like anybody... Who I don't think that they made facilities where they were cho- just trying to molest children. But if you put kids in a vulnerable situation in a big fucking warehouse, if somebody's a bad person, what do you think's gonna happen to them? Wow. I mean, it's just, of course, I don't wanna say that about humans, but like, of course, they're going to get fucking assaulted. These ag- the allegations in the complaints include rape, fondling, kissing, and watching children shower, according to the report. Beyond these human rights violations, as previously mentioned, there were no adequate facilities to house these kids as they suffered under our care. In June of 2019, news outlets began reporting on a Texas facility called Clint in El Paso, Texas, which was being cited for extreme conditions for children as young as babies. Eating scraps and living in their own filth are just two of the findings. This comes at a time when Customs and Border Protection Commissioner John Sanders tells the Associated Press that they are operating beyond capacity every day. He said that the Border Patrol is holding 15,000
1: people and the agency considers 4,000 to be at capacity. Natalie, in about 30 years, we are going to see a rain of PTSD. I don't want to say outbursts, but what's the word? What's the word here? We're going to see... Shootings, mass rapes. I mean, imagine a kid living in your own feces being raped every day in a fucking cage, and you're going to let them out. What do you think well, they're going to do? Not only that, what do you think
2: they're going to do? Not even just let. They should be let out. I mean, they should be let out. But like, but, there's no therapy. There's right. no handling.
1: They're not handled well. So this I'm is, gonna,
2: I'm gonna tell you too that there is. I want to talk about comp, uh, organizations that are fighting for these children in and getting them into counseling and things like that. But and it's not wanna, our government. It's
1: not our government. And I don't want to. I, I want to
2: preface this by
1: saying i don't want to put a blame on them Mm -mm. or anything i'm just saying like imagine yourself in this horrible environment as a child in this new country and then here you go come on out
2: like how would you act some of them still aren't out though amber some Some of of them are still in there there how would you act um i I would bash i'd be fucking furious i'd bash my head against a fucking wall yeah, uh, advisors and mental health professionals were repeatedly telling the administration that even if these kids don't get assaulted or completely disappear, holding them in these conditions will have lasting psychological effects from which they may never recover. Yeah, which no is shit, Sherlock. Yeah, sorry it, not you, Steve oh, Bannon. Oh, I, mean, I know. He's in the room. I know it sucks that like the these mental health professionals had to come in and announce this. Like it was, it should have obviously been already known, but apparently not. It, it's. If that's not enough, in May of 2019, NBC News and other media outlets released an article detailing seven children who had died that year in custody after zero child deaths in custom and border protection since about 2010. So it went from zero in almost a decade to seven in six months. Seven children died in custody. And the seven is the known number when this article was released with names and pictures and stories. So it is. Listing the different children who died in protections. Protections is fucking ironic. So that went, they, we killed children, we killed them. I mean, we fucking, our government killed these kids. And there could be more that are lost in this chaos. So during 2020, the U.S. government said that they are extra super duper sure. And they've counted it once and twice and once more again. All of the separated children during that time period ended up being 4,368 During the zero tolerance policy in the year following. And I don't I don't even know. I I doubt they know that. How could they even fucking know? They didn't track the kids. How would they know? So seven months after zero tolerance in 2020 was halted, there were still hundreds of children trapped and or the parents were unable to be located. Often because the parents were in such dire straits to begin with. It's hard to find them again. Or parents don't know where their kids are and they are in. They got deported to like Central America and they're trying to call these agencies looking for their kids. Sometimes they get a, like a location and they can talk to their kids. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes they have no idea how long it's going to take. And there's no real reason either. The kids are being kept. It is at best bureaucracy failing and at worst nobody's trying to help them. Like they're just – I don't know why, why they're, they think that the, these kids should stay in these facilities other than fucking cruelty. Like, it, it's hard. to It blows my mind. Like, I, I am. So Biden had promised to reunify kids and he, he did stuff. But separations are still happening. Again, more in a trickle form the way it was with Obama, but still like in a lot of really questionable ways. And these kids, they are still... Some number of children from zero tolerance policy era who are not known. They don't know. Where, they don't know where their They're parents are. Like, they don't know
1: where
2: they are. Yeah. Um, so honestly, this is a subject that could go on for endless hours with regards to breaking down everything that is unconscionable, inhuman about it. Um, it's again. I really think this is one of the worst things we've ever covered. Because even
1: just turning families away and being like no, even just a wall and saying no, that's still bad or whatever. That's still whatever. I don't know. I don't even know what to say because no, now that we've gone this dark, it's yeah. just like,
2: whoa, whoa, man, this is pure fucking evil. It it really is, and that's basically what the takeaway I I would like it to be is that there are many things that are. There's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of really dark things that happen. This is, like, black and white, one of the worst things I've ever heard. And it was done with such glee because of the, the guys that were in the Trump administration. They, I really think they thought this was funny. And it's still—kids are still stuck. I mean, what's
1: these guys' backstory? Like, were they kept in cages as kids? I don't actually know
2: Steve Bannon's biography. Do they think I'm this sure is that It's been covered. Steve Stephen Miller famously um, in high school. He was deeply despised in high school, and there's famously um, a video of him doing a speech at school where he's saying that the cleaning ladies—it's something like the cleaning ladies aren't doing a good enough job. They're not cleaning up after me enough. Like some some really fucked up thing. What? When he was in high school. So this is a long track. For for Stephen Miller, him just being a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to to get to that position in your late twenties, you'd have to be pretty ambitious and and, like deranged. That's pretty young to to be the advisor to the president. Yeah, he's a psychopath. Oh yeah. I mean, these people are fucking crazy, Natalie. Yeah, yeah. They're fucking (laughs) crazy. So. I I wish that I could end this with the names of the children who are unaccounted for, but they are missing so much. They are so missing. It's hard to even gauge the number still floating in the U.S. It's really hard to imagine that there haven't been some who've slipped through the cracks and ended up. I hope I hope this isn't true, but ended up in really, really bad fates. I, I hope that that's not true, but I I am pretty certain that there are a bunch of kids that they don't even know about. Um, for this one off app, I, I wanted to highlight kind, which is kids in need of defense, who we will be donating to their website is supportkind.org, who have been supporting the needs of unaccompanied children since 2008. And so this is not a thing that just has been on only a pro- again, Trump made this in his admin made this exceptionally darker, but this is still a thing that happens in the world. And those kids um, need a lot of help. And so this is um, this organization. Actually, I didn't realize was founded by Angelina Jolie.
1: Okay, Um,
2: Because she does a lot of children's rights work. She always has. But um,
1: oh, and by the way, from like earlier... Again, with the kids and, like, being psychologically—I didn't want to blame them or I want to hold and hug them. I don't want to put blame on them if anybody—I don't want to be misconstrued. I know. I'm just saying, like, it's incredibly psychologically damaging. Yes. And, like, the society as a whole will suffer.
2: Uh, I mean, that's what—human suffering does make everybody suffer. Yes. It, it,
1: steve Bannon was a little shit in high school. steve Stephen Miller. I Sorry, imagine... Steve Miller. And then, I keep getting these fuckers mixed up. And then they keep—you know, he's a little shit, made— other people's lives miserable. Somebody made his life miserable.
2: I doubt it. I actually think Stephen Miller came out of the womb like that. I do think he just came out as Stephen Miller. I think he had that haircut, his balding head and his eyes as he came out of his mother. And he's like, hello. You know, these men want to return to tradition so bad. Okay,
1: let's go back to the Roman culture when your mother would have thrown you off a fucking cliff. Yeah, if came out
2: and the mom would have been like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Put it in a pit. Um... Yeah. So kind kids in need of defense kind of pairs kids with legal help, uh, psychological like counseling, um, just like helps them go through a really impossible process. And so they were working before zero tolerance was enacted. But they have obviously been diligently working on the safety and rights of the children separated during that time and beyond. So. There are lots and lots of people outside of the government who care deeply about this and continue to fight. But the dark part of this is that that's how quickly we get the wrong handful of people in the top and they can just do something like this. Yeah.
1: And an election's coming up very soon. So Please. that should be really easy. You know, when an American presidential election happens, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary happens. It's like it's a, a time-honored tradition. No psyops. Everybody. Nothing.
2: You still got to vote. I know that it's disheartening, but please, you got to. Just just got to. And right. also, remember, there are many people who care, and there are many people who are trying to help these kids. I know. And w- at the very least, the kids who have been reunited with their parents and those families have been speaking out and, and become activists. And, mm-hmm. and we can all collectively try to make this not happen again.
1: Right. Have you read Project 2024? No. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we we can just leave it
2: there. (laughs) Oh, no. Do you know what that is? Not really, but I know that it's sinister. It's basically like uh, there's a few key
1: points that is pretty far right. And I would say they're against democracy because they want to elect someone that they would not have to revote four years in, Mm -hmm. that this person would just kind of stay there. Yeah, well... Well, that we're not doing that. We're so. not doing that. We're not really doing that. Um, and on something more fun. Okay, and on something more fun. Um, well, <laughs> I fuck something <laughs> fun. Um, shit. <laughs> I um I made a quiche. <laughs> That's great. I made a quiche and I had breakfast set up all week. Ooh, it's the first quiche I've ever made, Natalie. Ooh, what kind? He's got mushrooms and asparagus in it. And I gave it my, to my roommate because she was hungry after a trip. I love feeding people. Mushrooms
2: and asparagus is a good gut. That's a good quiche.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I like feeding people. That's my love language. I always have extra food I make, and like, here you go. We
2: should go do. We should go do some feeding people stuff. Let's go do it. I think we should. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, bye guys. You, bye. <laughs>